Hello and welcome back to another episode of BJ Murphy 360. I am your host, BJ Murphy, and on this episode, I sat down with my good friend Algernon Cash. He is a sought-after political commentator across the state of North Carolina. He has chaired the North Carolina Energy Forum and is the owner of Wharton Gladden, where they're investing in a a brand new franchise called Zesto, the Zesto Restaurant in the Triad area. Although the name Zesto, the brand has been around a while, so they're excited about relaunching this business here in North Carolina. We've done this episode at least once before, and we had really great feedback. So, uh, what I like to say is, here's another politically agitating, uh, lighthearted, and fun episode uh, for your educational and listening. Uh, pleasure. On this episode, we discussed what the North Carolina Leadership Forum is, guns and mental health, uh, President Trump and Stormy Daniels, is the president keeping his campaign promises, free trade, the $1.3 trillion compromise recently. And we even talk about this year's elections in North Carolina, as well as the 2020 NC governor's race. And then we had a lot of fun towards the end where we did a rapid fire round. Uh, I made him choose between socks or no socks uh, if the president and uh, Joe Biden actually got in a fight. <laughs> who would win? Uh, dollar cryptocurrency, Pepsi or Coke? And we just had an absolute blast. And I think you'll see that and hear that uh, throughout this episode. So uh, enjoy. And this was to your success. Social media is changing the way we do business. Watch TV and shop. Small businesses and personal brands need to adapt and fast. BJ Murphy is a B2B sales trainer, social media entrepreneur, and former mayor of 21,000. He's bringing his podcast, BJ Murphy 360, to help you increase sales, gather more leads, and grow professionally. Feel free to share with friends and call in with your thoughts. Here's BJ Murphy, and here's to your success. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, He's sharp, got the glasses on. GQ. Hey everybody, this is BJ Murphy with BJ Murphy 360 podcast and show. Uh, I am with my man AC Algernon Cash again. We're at the AC Hotel in downtown Asheville, North Carolina. It's good to be with you again, my friend. It's good to be with y'all, and I just want to let y'all know this segment is brought to you by Coca Cola Classic. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> paid sponsorship. <laughs> nah. This is brought to you by H2O, HOH. Uh, it's good to be with y'all again, and uh, uh, it's also it's great to be with Algernon. We've been together again for the last day and a half uh, with the North Carolina Leadership Forum, and this time we've been discussing a lot of, um, you know, the, we went from coal ash tour yesterday uh, to a, a deep discussion about uh, bringing the community together to talk about energy needs for the future, uh, and today we spent a lot of time talking about policy and a bunch of other things. You want to kind of summarize, without giving too much, but... Yeah, because I think there's some policy recommendations that'll be coming out here soon mm-hmm. um, surrounding um, what, what we've been discussing. But BJ and I have had the honor of being part of the North Carolina Leadership Forum. Now, this is our fourth meeting. Mm-hmm. We've got one more to go. And um, it, it, it's 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 really cool because it's basically a group of 20-plus people from all over the state with opposing views and different backgrounds, people like me from the private sector and BJ from the private sector, as well as people from the public yeah. sector and community foundations and nonprofits and so forth. And so you can only imagine how um, dynamic the, the conversations right. get. And mm-hmm. I, I think by the, when this is all said and done, we're trying to present a policy proposal that's built around consensus around all these ideas that we've been talking about for a year. And, so I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, and the, and the hope the hope really is, is that uh, even though you might have some uh, varying degrees of uh, discussion on 
climate change and uh, uh, the future of energy. Uh, there are some areas that we do agree on, and we want to see some of those areas work towards some type of policy implementation uh, in the future. So hopefully we want to see action. We, yes. We've been talking for almost a year. <laughs> we want to see some action. <laughs> that is right. Uh, so speaking of action, uh, <coughs> just like last time, we're just going to kind of run through the gamut of some, uh, some really cool stuff. I'm going to hit you with a, uh, with a uh, kind of a lightning round okay. uh, here a little bit. And then at the end, I'm going to let you ask a question of the day to uh, to the people so they can respond to us on Instagram and Facebook, okay. uh, et cetera. So uh, let's let's talk about something a little bit deep real quick. Okay. Because um, uh, what happened in Florida about a month ago with the school shooting, yeah. um, it, you know, it brought out a lot of conversation about uh, guns and, and mental health and where we are with the Second Amendment. I just want to get a little bit of your take as a citizen uh, and someone who follows politics, especially national politics, uh, what your take was on the conversation coming out of that? Yeah, well, <clears throat> unlike uh, Justin Stevens, I, I don't believe we should do away with the Second Amendment. <laughs> so I haven't haven't gotten to that to that point yet. But but I do believe we need sensible, um, fair um, gun regulation and gun control in this country. And and you know I'm I'm never. Um, and BJ, you know this about me. I'm never shy about admitting the fact I'm a Republican, um, but I do believe this is probably where I break with a large majority of the of the party. And I and I think the reason why is a lot of times, however you feel about regulations, has a lot to do with your perspective, and I think it has a lot to do with maybe your experiences and what you what you've experienced over right. time. And I think there's a group of people out there, BJ, who have grown up in, in families where they went hunting every winter and summer and mm -hmm. you know, brought deer back home and had the camaraderie around cleaning it and preparing it and fixing it for the family. And, and so their perspective around how we should regulate guns and what we should be doing is going to be rooted based on that experience. Right. And then you take someone like me, and I'm, I, I say this unapologetically, I grew up in the hood. Uh -huh. And so when I think about guns... I think about people getting shot. I think about friends that I've lost right. as, a, as, a, as a result gang of gun violence, violence gang-related uh -huh. violence, robberies. I remember the time my grandfather was walking home from the convenience store and somebody ran up behind him and hit him over the head with, with the back of a pistol, mm -hmm. threatened, to, threatened to kill him and robbed him. This is an elderly man that was in his 60s. Um, I remember the time my aunt got broke in on. This was a female, right. and this person had a gun. And so for, for me, my perspective is rooted in a lot of that. And I think for me, I, I do believe that we, we need to be a lot more thoughtful and sensitive around how we how, how, how we let people obtain a, a weapon. So, you know, um, I'll give a little bit of opinion here, although that part of this is, is just creating a dialogue. But uh, one, one thing that I, I think needs an overhaul, I even asked a legislator here yesterday um, who's working in the General Assembly. And I said, I know you're, you're talking about the budget and things. Um, where are we with the discussion of mental health? You know, because where I live in Kinston, we have a place called Caswell Center. It is a home for the mentally retarded, and I'm sure there's a lot of other acronyms. But uh, it is basically a home for people who grew up that way. Uh, this is a way, once they turn 18, that there's a, a group of professionals there to help them uh, uh, you know, have recreation, which what was what my wife used to do there, uh, or get physical therapy, or, or have a job, and you try to have an, as normal life as you can. But what about the people like obviously this cruise guy, who was obviously somebody who was missed in the system? What do we do to 
to acknowledge that we've got a mental health issue and more importantly how do we turn that into policy not just for the state of north Carolina, but across the country well and i think that's what you know i'm, I'm one of those when we when we look at the various industries out there that we need to regulate and reform and we have we have all these conversations but i think everything should be done incrementally and, mm -hmm. and it, it would seem to me an incremental reform that we could all support and all get behind would be what you just described you know mm -hmm. at, at least going after that segment unfortunately it seems like when the special interest group and the lobbyists and all those get into the room, they, they almost don't want to give an inch, right? Because mm -hmm. they're afraid, well, if I give an inch on this, then you're going to come back and you want me to, you want me to adjust something else. And, and, and so they get afraid of getting on this slippery slope. Right. And I think we got to get away from that. You know, but, I, I but think that's the same problem we got, reform, with, yeah. with, but that's the same problem we got with guns. I mean, there's a difference between someone having access to an assault rifle or military type rifle versus someone who pistol whipped your grandfather. Exactly. I mean, because that was a pistol. I own a pistol. I own a rifle. Uh, but I'm not going to go around robbing people. Exactly. You, you know, so you, there is this fine line, this, this, this balance we've got to do. Is, and it's really difficult for our country because we're rooted in this idea that we all should have a right to defend ourselves. And, and we should. But, but, but I also think we've got to, you know, we, we, when we talk about history and we talk about this, the historic nature of legislation, we need to also go back and revisit the context as well. And, and, you know, when our founding fathers wrote this, one thing that they were really trying to address was the fact that we were living under a tyrannous power and, and, a, and a monarchy. And, right. and so and we had the that, Boston Tea Party. And we had the Boston right. Tea Party, mm -hmm. and they felt like it was important that we had weapons and arms to defend ourselves. Right. And, and that environment has shifted. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, if anybody thinks that they've got enough arms at their house to defend themselves against the United States government, if they so chose to <laughs> march into your town, I, um, I would encourage you to go um, look at Waco. Or, 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 right. or you know. Right. No, or, we got a lot yeah, of military. Yeah, 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 I think now we got, what, 5,000 nuclear weapons and right. tanks and submarines and, right. you know, just things that I think our founding fathers could not have even be begun to predict. Right. But, but then the, the flip side of that is where we get in this conversation about assault rifles, that is where I feel like we need tougher regulations. I don't believe everybody should be walking around out here with an AR-15. I also don't believe that when people say, well, I need an AR-15 to hunt. Well, I say to you, if you need an AR-15 to hunt, you don't know how to hunt. Well, you know, I, I've never met somebody. I, I, now, I've shot an AR-15. I've got a friend who I know has got one. But I've never seen him or heard him talk about using it to hunt. I will tell you that I was in the... Um, Dominican Republic on a vacation, the same island as Haiti, uh, and it was interesting because we were going to go zip lining, uh, and there's a teenager at the gas station on our way to go zip lining. We were in a van, and he was he was dressed in all black, and he had an assault rifle. And I, mm. You know, but you know that's where I see people walking around with assault rifles. You you don't walk down any street, even in Asheville or Kinston or Winston, uh, with people doing that. But but there are abuses to it, uh, and could there be reform? Yes, but just like what we've been discussing last day and a half, for somebody who who uh, you're not as far as getting rid of the Second Amendment, you see you, there needs to be some type of logical yeah. uh, control. Uh, just some people who won't not outright ban it. Some people want to go hunting with it, whatever they want to do. Where are the the common uh, set of uh, uh, solutions? Where can we agree, and then can we put that into policy? And that's, that's, that's the overarching question. I think we always get lost in politics. We, we do, but I, but I think the, the point you brought up was a good one. Just I, I think a point that most people can seem to agree on is that if you are mentally challenged, you probably don't need to possess a 
firearm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think that's a common sense reform that we could put in place. But but I think the reason, and, and this is where I get frustrated, the reason a lot of common sense reforms don't get in place, whether it's about guns or it's about health care or it's about energy mm-hmm. or transportation or whatever your favorite topic is, is I feel like we now are in this country where um, the special interest groups have so much control and so much money and so much power that the, the little guys, the voters out here, you know, you know, their voice isn't always quite heard as loudly. That's interesting. Uh, so let's let's stay on a national topic, but but let's do something because last time we got a great conversation about Donald Trump. Yeah. Got some good feedback uh, from you. So I really appreciate everybody who likes and shares this video uh, and even makes comments because it, it makes me better, makes Algernon better, and it, and it drives a conversation that's really fun to have. Um, so one thing that I think has been an absolute distraction, and I think it has absolutely no true bearing on this presidency, but it is getting headlines for some unknown reason. And you've talked about a little bit on your lot. If you follow Algernon on Facebook, it's locked in with Algernon Cash. Um, and that is the whole Stormy Daniels thing. I just see the whole thing as a distraction that doesn't carry much water. And I, I don't, I'm just kind of curious where you are on that. Well, I, it, it, it is all a distraction. I mean, wh- whether it's Kate McDougal or um, Stormy Daniels or mm-hmm. the, the contestant from The Apprentice, who I, I'm drawing a blank of her name, and um, wh- whoever else is waiting out there right now to, to file a lawsuit against <laughs> yeah, the president. Because they, they want to write a book or get yeah. paid. That's yeah, what yeah, it is. You know, it, 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 it is a distraction, but, but, but it's also, uh, uh, for me, a deep concern. And, but but and, why? I mean, we, weren't, we were concerned about bill but that happened in the white house this happened before this guy was ever really in politics that's I, well I, and i i recognize that and i, I know that's the argument it, it's concerning to me for for two two reasons all right let's one, hear it. one as a republican i i am i am very concerned about the hypocrisy that has some kind of way crept up into our party in the last year or so and that that's that's very concerning because uh-huh. i feel like i chose and chose to be a member of the republican party because we tend to be the party that truly stands on its values. We're convicted by our values. We're convicted by what we believe. We're convicted by what we believe in this country to be be pure and, and so forth. And, and so that that's one thing. I, I mean, you, you know, we we demonized Bill Clinton about this 20 years ago. Um, I, I I don't yeah you know, I don't care what anyone says. I stand on this right now. Donald Trump right now is being accused of having sexual relations with these three women outside of his marriage. No one's saying he did it in the White House, but outside of his marriage. If Barack Obama was being accused of just, if there was just Stormy Daniels, just one, I am telling you right now, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan would call on the president to resign just to protect the sanctity of the office. And, And you're right, but here's the reason why I think you're right and why I think it's different than what we've seen in the past, and that is... We knew that this was a character flaw of this man, and we still elected him because there was that, that under that, that tape that was 10, 15 years ago. He was getting on this bus, and he was re- being recorded, and, and he didn't know he was being recorded. And he said some pretty foul things. We knew this is the man he was. So it, it we're almost like the the bar's not nearly as high as President Obama, who we know has had a very successful marriage, two beautiful kids. Uh, he's raised them right. Uh, he his personal moral but, but standards what is, were higher. Okay, but, but that's, that's, what, that's, that, no, that's, that's but what does that say about our party? I, I get that. What does that say about our party to elect a man who, who actually believes it's okay to, to, to well, speak and act the But way we he have is. the alternatives. We had the Rubios and, 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 and the Cruises. But, 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 but and, even more so, what are we saying 
to women? What, what are we saying to independent women who we need to draw in and attract into this party so that we can continue to be viable and sustainable long term? What are we saying to your daughter? No, I what, get it. what are we saying to my daughter? Right. Should my daughter be a Republican? At once she, you know, my daughter is 14 years old. She'll be voting in the next four years. She's listening to this stuff right now on TV. Mm -hmm. is, is she is she someone that I'm going to be able to attract into the party after going through some of this? But then, right. then I want to hit the second point. Yeah. It's all yours. So someone said to me the other day, this, the sex life of the president should not matter. I firmly agree. Firmly agree. Donald Trump's sex life does not matter to me. I could care less if he is tying up Melania every single night to the bed. Mm -hmm. As long as it's Melania, mm -hmm. because my problem is, if if the president will do that to his to his wife and his newborn child while they're not looking, what will the president do when you and I are not looking? Mm -hmm. And that's the dangerous part to me. Right, it's loyalty. That's what's right. in question. No, I, and I get it. And so, as a voter, that was a big issue for you. And my, and my point to you earlier is is that there were plenty of other candidates to choose from. And I remember you going a year before he was even the nominee going, the Trump train win. is real. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You, you knew it was real because he spoke to the core of a lot of the things that the grassroots Republicans wanted. Uh, he was just a very, uh, uh, he was just a different candidate. And I made a point to a friend the other day and I said that uh, for all of Hillary's flaws, we, we knew him. Uh, and we didn't like them. We knew all of, we know a lot of Donald Trump's flaws. The difference between the two candidates, though, uh, was that uh, Hillary had been in office, so we knew what she was like serving in office. We weren't really sure what Donald Trump would be serving in office. He had never had that opportunity. So I think most people were willing to go with his unknown of serving in that office versus the known of what she had already done in office. Well, and, well I, I hear all that, and I, I want to make one final point before we, we move on to another Yeah, because I got a too, couple things. I, yeah, I, I definitely want to get this in, too. The, the other concerning thing about it, and I, I, I said two, but I should have said three. The other concerning thing about it is this $130,000 payment to Stormy mm -hmm. Daniels. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I feel like we need to look hard at that. We need to, we need to research it. When, um, Even when, though it was before he became president. But, but no, no. When they made the $130,000 payment, that was in October of 2016 during the campaign. Mm -hmm. So that that's why that's a real issue. Gotcha. That, that could okay. potentially be a FEC violation, Federal Election Commission violation. And again, this goes back to the to the hypocrisy of the party right now, which is concerning me. Right. When John Edwards was called to the mat because maybe he made some, you know, he, he made a payment to a um, a, a female that he'd had a um, um, sexual relationship with, and she'd had a child, and mm -hmm. he gave her some money, and you know during I, during the campaign, and um, he, you know he got in a whole lot of trouble for that. Right. And Republicans were the loudest ones out there beating right. the drum on it. Right. And so I do think it's concerning. I think we need to continue to investigate it. We need to figure out, um, you know, was that payment right? And um, and I'm just calling on the Republican leaders to not be silent. That, so, that's all. So you're, you saw it here first on BJ Murphy 360, Algernon Cash, the moral authority and uh, of the Republican Party, helping to steer us back uh, to the right spot. Uh, love love the chatter about. It. Let's stay with some national politics, um, uh, and and let's talk talk about Trump again. Uh, being the uncanny candidate he he was, and the uncanny president he has become. Uh, is he keeping his campaign promises, though? Y yes and no. Um, for, for, the, for a large part, yes. I mean, there, there are several things that I think Trump has done on immigration, uh, energy, his tax cuts, 
Um, you, you know, even some of the foreign policy decisions that he's made, mm -hmm. uh, where I do think, you know, what he promised on the campaign trail is exactly what he's going about doing. Now, you can question whether or not the decisions are good or what the long-term implications will be for America and all these other questions. But the reality is he told you he was going to do these things. Right. And it's exactly what he's been doing since he got in office. And then I, I feel like, and, and the no part of that is I, I feel like there was some really big policy proposals made on the campaign trail that I'm starting to get concerned may not actually happen, like infrastructure spending. Um, I, I do like the tax plan. I like parts of the tax plan. There's a lot of parts of the tax plan I don't like. Um, this this new spending bill that he just signed. I, 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 I want to talk about that. Yeah, I think that runs counter to everything he was telling right. people on the campaign trail. But but you know I I don't I don't I don't fault him for that because I think every president going back to George Washington has made promises on the campaign trail only to realize once you're elected it's a lot harder mm -hmm. than just campaigning. And, so. and, and things change other people people in office. And there's a lot of parameters to go in. I yeah. get that. And so let's talk about the uh, 1.3 uh, trillion dollars. Uh, I think what was most concerning to me, uh, and I didn't see if, if it was all of it was debt or, or not, but I, I continue to have a hard problem, at least with my own party, who tend to be the fiscal conservatives, which was part of the reason. I'm, I'm both a social and a fiscal conservative, although I tend that what I, I, I think I tend to govern kind of moderate right, although I have a very far right leaning tendencies politically. Uh, but when it comes to governing, it's a little bit different because uh, I've got to consider all the other people. The $1.3 trillion, though, uh, is almost all debt. And, I, and I'm going, how do, how do we as a country just kind of wake up one morning and go, we got to stop uh, having our normal operations, you know, pew, pew, the bullets from a, a, a rifle in, uh, in the, some other country by our own military is being financed by debt, thank you, China. And I just, how, how do we ever get out of that cycle? Well, we got to make some um, really tough decisions. I mean, we we've got to really implement a fiscal austerity program that that truly starts to cut at the budget. And and the reality is, anyone trying to have this conversation right now without bringing up entitlement spending, without bringing up the interest on the federal debt, which again, if you take entitlement spending and just interest on the federal debt, that's somewhere around seventy percent of the budget. If, if you lump in defense on top of that, that gets you to about 85% of the budget. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind, only about 10 or 15 cent out of every dollar is really going to the plethora of, of federal agencies out there. You know, you name the Department of Justice, Commerce Department, whatever, Energy Department, right. whatever your favorite department is. And so when, when Republicans make comments around, well, hey, let, let's cut the State Department because that's going to put the budget in line, or let's make adjustments at the Energy Department because that's going to get the budget in line, I think we have to be pushing back on that right? because it doesn't work that way. And mm -hmm. and so if no one's talking about Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and interest on the federal debt, mm -hmm. then we, we, we haven't even really started the conversation. And and I know you're a guy who, who professes uh, uh, as part of your your personal philosophy on governing to be a free trade kind of guy. Yes. What What is your take on uh, the recent conversation about uh, the the potential <coughs> trade wars and the tariffs. I'm really curious to, to for you to share with our listeners and viewers uh, what is what is a, a free trade and why do you think this is good or bad what President Trump has done? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, well let's let's keep in mind 
<clears throat> excuse me. Our party has always been known to value free trade. I mean, that, that's just something that we've, we've been a champion of for, for many, many decades. I, I think when you start imposing tariffs and, and doing the kind of things that Trump is trying to do, and, 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 and it's, all, you know, it's, it's all under the guise of leveling the playing field. That, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you really want a level playing field, you just let all the interests really truly compete. And whoever is best is going to rise to the top. But but if you start imposing tariffs and you start playing those kind of trade games, you can easily spark a trade war. Right. And 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 for your listeners today, I mean, if they want to learn more about this, it, you you history will tell you. Go read what happened when Herbert Hoover implemented the Smoot Hawley Tariff Act back in the the um, late twenties. A lot of people believe it, it wasn't just the stock market crash of, of nineteen twenty nine that led to what we saw with the Great Depression. What really drove the Great Depression, quite frankly, if you do your research, it was the trade war that got sparked. Mm-hmm. And, and it was us placing tariffs on, on product coming in our country, and then other countries responding you know, reactively and saying, okay, well, if you're going to put a tariff on this, we're going to put a tariff on that. And, and then I, I think it even gets more dangerous when you, have, you pass this new steel tariff, and then you start carving out our favorite countries, right? Mexico, you say, well, Canada, Mexico and Canada, yeah, England. You're good. Yeah. yeah, England. You got all y'all are good. Uh-huh. Well, China, you pay up, uh-huh. and, and so I, I think that just makes them even more antagonized to say, okay, how do we sort of right. dig back in? Now, the latest announcement from China and in retribution of this is, hey, we're going to put a tariff on pork mm-hmm. and some agriculture products. Guess what state gets hurt? Gets hurt North when, they, when they do that. That's North Carolina, especially down east where I live. Exactly. There's a lot of hog farms. So, so I just, I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I don't want. I don't want people to misconstrue what I'm saying either, because I do believe we need to hold our trading partners accountable. Mm-hmm. So, on, on something like the trade that we have going between Canada and Mexico, if you feel like something is unfair, I think the pathway the president should take is let's sit down diplomatically and then let's renegotiate NAFTA. Let's, mm-hmm. let's make sure NAFTA is operating correctly. I would argue the, the, the way NAFTA is structured today is not the way it should be structured long term. Uh-huh. But, but to just impose tariffs and, and go in that direction, or even what I heard today, the announcement is now the president wants to go after Amazon. I saw that. Mm-hmm. And he wants to go after their tax structure and, and some kind of way. Singling out one company. Some kind of way bringing them down to earth. And, right. he, and, he, and I quote, he said, because my friends told me that they're hurting some of, some of their shopping malls. So, <laughs> right. so to me, when, when you're when you're governing that way, that's it's just that's a, slippery, a slippery, slippery slope, right? That's that's good. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, North Carolina real quick. Um, this this year, this election year, it, and uh, 2018 is what's called a blue moon election, uh, where there's not a statewide candidate, so there's not a Tillis or Burr or or um, uh, or Cooper uh, or Forrest. There's not a statewide election. Yeah, I mean, there, there are in terms of the, the, the judges, but not one that's going to draw massive crowds. Yep. Uh, so with that, there's been this talk about this blue wave. Uh, the Democrats are going to sweep a lot of offices. Uh, the, the North Carolina Democrat Party's done a good job of making sure that every single race is contested. So here's the question. Um, how much will the national wave the political wave affect north carolina given that we don't have we don't have a statewide a true statewide uh, contest on the ballot yeah that, that's a, that's a tough question um i mean obviously you've got a lot of house members that are um 
that are running this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Democrats smell blood in the water. And, and I think Democrats are pushing really hard to try to at least, I don't think they're obviously going to regain the Senate this, this year, uh -huh. but I think they're pushing hard to try to regain the House. So I guess in terms of North Carolina, I mean, there's not a ton of competitive races around North Carolina only because of the way the districts are drawn. Probably the only competitive race you're going to see will be in the 13th with Ted Budd. And I, I think what will happen is you're going to see a lot of outside money pour into that race because right. the Democrats are just bloodthirsty right now. Um, I mean, you've got, you know, you know, out in the fifth, you've got Dee Dee Adams trying to take on Virginia Fox. That's an interesting district because in that district, you actually, the number of independents combined with Democrats actually outnumber the Republicans heavily. In the past, though, the way Virginia has been able to keep that seat is a lot of independents don't show up to vote. Mm -hmm. So this could be a year where there's so many people fired up and a lot of independents are fired up. And I'm not predicting anything. I'm not saying any person's going to win or lose. But you take the fifth, for example, do you all of a sudden see a surge of independents showing up to vote and you see a House district like that potentially flip? I'm not saying that would happen. Right. But if you go back to last year and you look at a lot of local elections that happen all over the state where, you again, you didn't have a statewide candidate per se. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in Greensboro, you know, Mike Barber lost his seat. Um, um, Tony Wilkins. I mean, you had a lot of incumbents across the state that ended up being affected by what I, what I what I now call the Trump effect. Right. People showing up to vote, not because they were unhappy with their, their, their councilman or even their mayor, mm -hmm. but they're just unhappy with what they're seeing nationally, and it's got them so emotionally charged, I'm going out to vote. Right. You know, and, and so, you know, this primary that just happened down in Texas, where they're saying, hey, more Democrats showed up to vote than they did in 2008, that should be scaring the hell out of Republicans. Mm -hmm. If we thought 2008... Was, was it then we should be scared as hell this year or if you go up to pennsylvania where in a in a, in a state that trump won you know you got a democratic candidate out raising his opponent you know like crazy mm -hmm. so i don't know i i mean it just seems to me the writing is on the wall um for some kind of a blue wave this year does that impact north carolina or not that that's i'm, un, I'm unsure about that yeah and that's kind of where I, my head has been is that i i see the blue wave happening but there's not if, if Tillis were on this year's ballot, I say yes, there's going to probably even be a change in the North Carolina General Assembly. But there's not that statewide race that's going to attract, maybe in the 13th or the 5th, there's going to be uh, outside money coming in. But it's not going in across the entire state. It's no. not blanketing the state. So it's not going to have as uh, uh, as deep an impact across our state. Uh, yeah, people as people like Mark Meadows out here in the western part right. of the state is going to be pretty safe. And, and, and several other people around 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 the state will be safe. But, but, but you know, it, the larger question, though, BJ, is if, if the electorate is this frustrated um, and, and to some degree fatigued already with Trump, and it's only been you know, 14 months, mm -hmm. what does 2020 look like? And, and and unless we see a dramatic and drastic shift in, in what's going on in Washington, I would predict that his approval is going to continue to fall. And by the time we get to 2020, you, it could be, um, you know, you no know, telling what you may see. Right. Should be interesting. Uh, and handicap real quick with your crystal ball uh, early 2018, before we even have the Republican primaries and Democratic primaries, what the 2020 governor's race is going to look like? Oh, wow. Well, of course, we got to figure out exactly who, who's running. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of prediction that Dan Forrest is going to run, and I, I think he's 
seems to be posturing in that way that he wants to run. Uh, he's pretty much said it. Yeah, and um, a lot of people believe that McCrory is, is going to come out of retirement and try to take him on. So you're going to have two big Republican heavyweights mm-hmm. fighting it out to get into the general election. So I, I, I think that'll be interesting. And in my in my view, I think I love Dan Forrest. I think Dan will do very well with the base. But I think Dan could struggle a little bit in the general just right. because of the, the the makeup of North Carolina. And, and obviously, Dan, he's taken some really, really strong conservative positions, and he's done that in public throughout his tenure as lieutenant governor. And I, I think that could come back to bite him a little bit in a general I, election I, I in 2020. I, I see that, and I understand it. I will tell you that from, from watching Dan from near and far, uh, that he has a great way of articulating his message, and I think that is an incredible strength that he has. That even on these sensitive issues, whether it's climate change or minimum wage or whatever it is, I feel like he could still with the gun debate. He could still articulate a position and not necessarily push people away, but help them understand why he feels that way. I, 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 no, I, I agree with that, and I, and I think when Dan is in a situation where people are listening, mm-hmm. he does good. Mm-hmm. But but if we if if 2018 is any prediction as to what 2020 could look like people are walking around like this now right you know and, <laughs> and, and so if you got an r behind your name uh-huh you know they don't want to hear i get it so so I, I think if he has an environment i agree with you if he's in an environment where people are willing to be open-minded and listen to be sensitive to what he's saying i think he does a great way of explaining why he takes the position that he takes but if no one's listening, he can do all the talking he wants. So let's uh, let's jump into a fun section, uh, rapid fire. He has no idea <clears throat> these uh, four or five questions I've oh, got Lord. for him. Uh, and so I'm going to mention a couple of things. You tell me the, real quick what it is you think. And kind of give an explanation if yep. you like. Uh, so uh, socks or no socks? No socks. <laughs> Why do you say no socks? Well, you know, I'm from the South, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> Growing up in the South, you 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 know you, you walk around barefooted and no socks on all the time, right. and um, so I, it's it's just something that has stuck with me. I, honestly, it took me years to even get to the point where I would start wearing shoes. I, I used to wear flip flops <laughs> all the time, even in the winter time, uh-huh. and, and then I, I sort of got attracted to these to these sandals or, or these these loafers. So yeah, no no socks for me. No no ever. socks ever. Okay, so if there was a fight, would you pick Biden or Trump? Oh gosh, that's a good one. I had to go with Biden. He, he, yeah, he, he, you know, he's out of he's out of Pennsylvania, man. He, yeah, he, he just looked like he might take it to you. I mean, seriously, he looked like he might take it to you. Uncle you know, Joe, Trump, Trump Uncle ain't had, Joe. Trump ain't Trump. Trump grew up rich. He had to, he had to do a lot of fighting. I, you know? I see that. Yeah, he is he is heavier set, a little bit taller. He's yeah. got, probably got longer got reach. A little reach, yeah. Uh, but you'll you'll give the edge to Pennsylvania versus New York. Yeah, City. Yeah, I, I I got a feeling when you look at Joe Biden. It looks like he's been in some fights. I mean, it, it looks like he, he would just—he might take it to you. I, mean, I, I really like Joe Biden. Yeah, I like him too. He's I actually good, yeah. thought he was—he was, he was going to be a formidable uh, presidential candidate. But uh, all right. Uh, so the the dollar or cryptocurrency? The dollar all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of cryptocurrency at all, and um, I always think that people need to be really speculative with with these kind of kind of things. I'm not saying that. It's like anything else, like the conversation we've had the last two days about electric vehicles and renewable energy sources and all that. I'm not saying that eventually we won't mature to a point where we have the introduction of these other kind of currencies. 
But um, at present, unless you really know what you're doing, you probably should stay out of that market or you'll, you'll hurt yourself. Right, and at least not invest a lot if, if you're playing around with it. Um, all right, so you didn't know this was on here, but this was I, I wrote this earlier today. Uh, rapid Fire, Coke or Pepsi? Oh, man. <laughs> now, again, I just want y'all to know this show's been brought to you today by Coca-Cola Classic. <laughs> now, now all, all jokes aside, all jokes aside, I know why BJ asked me this question because I've got a restaurant coming out. Um, I was going to ask you about it. Zesto Burgers and Ice Cream. Yep. We just signed a contract with Pepsi. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Greg. This, this is all they had at the AC Hotel. I Pepsi gotta... was born in North Carolina, Eastern North yeah, Carolina, this, too. Yeah, it's Pepsi all the way. But, um, but, yeah, this is all they had at the AC Hotel. So when, when, the, when, when we're done with this, I'm getting ready to go in here and talk to my general manager. We, we, it, it'll be Pepsi we, up here next we, time. We're yeah. going to hook up Pepsi here. Uh, okay, so, uh, so this is the part where uh, you get to ask whatever you want. There's no real limit to it. A question of the day to everybody who's watching for them the answer uh what is your question of the day yeah i mean you know bj and i talk a lot offline too and i mean you probably can tell from watching us that we're we're good friends and and, and that kind of thing but bj knows i have a lot of concern about sort of where we are as a country right now not just because of trump in office i don't i don't want to single that out but i think some of the political brinkmanship and just some of the things that are going on in our country right now i'm, I'm just curious to those that are listening to this show um, what are your thoughts about what's happening to the country right now? What are you concerned about the most? And do you think we're going in the right direction? I, I mean, I think it's remarkable you've got two guys like BJ and I. We don't we, we are in the same party. We don't agree on everything, as you've just seen from this discussion. Um, white, black, which a lot of times nowadays, th this is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, I would absolutely love, and, and maybe this is my naivete or whatever, I would love to see our country get to a point where we could see more of this. Right. I'd love to turn on MSNBC and Fox News and CNN and whatever your favorite channel is and see more of this. Right. Two people that disagree throughout a, throughout a conversation, mm -hmm. had fun doing it, still laughing. We'll have a drink after this. Right. And, um, you know, I'd love to see more of this. So, so to, to my question to you all, what are you most concerned about in terms of what's going on in our country? Or if you're not concerned about anything, what are you uh, most excited about? Most excited about, most concerned about. I love it. Thank you, Algernon. Appreciate you Thank being you. on. Y'all stay locked uh, yeah, in. Yeah, you now. stay locked in. Uh, and uh, be sure to uh, to go to Facebook, uh, lock in with Algernon Cash, locked in with Algernon Cash. Uh, we'll have this up on podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and all that good stuff. Uh, and un until next time, uh, this was to your success. Thanks for listening to the BJ Murphy 360 podcast. Be sure to connect on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with at BJ Murphy 360 and visit him online at magicmilemedia.com. Until the next episode, here's to your success.